Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Fried Storytime. Today we're going to continue along with the story of Cinderella. I do apologize, last time I got off on a rant. I just, I think that Disney princesses and princesses and fairy tales in general just take a lot of pot shots for being, uh, for being weak and wishy-washy, and they tend to take those shots from a lot of people that aren't exactly the most mentally and emotionally fortified people themselves. So I kind of ended on that note last time. But where we left off, we had just met Cinderella, who, her two stepsisters, her stepmother, and her father. And we saw her life kind of devolve from being the happy daughter of a father and mother who love her in a beautiful chateau to a scullery maid with an abusive stepmother and a neglectful father. Here is where the Grimm brothers kind of take a hard right turn. The father needs to do some business at a festival, so he has to hit the road. He asked each family member what they want from the festival. Silks and dresses, cried one sister. Pearls and jewels, said the other. Cinderella only asked that he break off the first branch that brushes his hat on the way home. So he brought these all home, including the hazel branch that had knocked off his hat. Cinderella thanked him and planted the hazel branch over her mother's grave and wept and prayed upon the grave three times a day and it grew to be strong and beautiful. Every time she prayed, a white bird would fly into the tree, and whenever she made a wish, that bird would throw down whatever she wished for. So, in that sense, Grim Cinderella's got more going for her than, than Disney Cinderella, because she has a wish tree, or a wish bird, whichever way you want to see it. That's pretty cool. In Disney, we see Cinderella in the attic, getting ready for the day with her little birdie and mouse friends, and Cinderella then captures, clothes, and feeds Gus the Mouse, though we can easily assume that this is not what Lady Tremaine had in mind when she put her stepdaughter in charge of pest control. When we see Cinderella go about her work, and like Sleeping Beauty, we can judge her character by the company she keeps, by her friends and enemies. We see her spar with Lucifer the cat, whose name tells you pretty much everything you need to know about him right there. And then uh, we see that on the friend side, she's got Bruno the dog, who is charming and sweet and goofy. And the mice and the birdies and the horses, who all love her. She does have to get after Bruno a little bit, because he uh, really enjoys his dreams of, of totally killing Lucifer. But I feel like as a loyal doggo, he probably has those dreams because Lucifer is so bad to everyone around them. And dogs tend to be pretty protective of the people and other animals that they love. They're protectors. And Bruno is a good protector. She feeds everybody some corn. I assume it's corn. I've seen people say, oh, that she throws cheese to the mice. But first of all, everything is vaguely triangle shaped it's all yellow and she feeds from the same basket to the horses the chickens and the uh mice now mice and chickens are kind of omnivores they're not super picky about what they can eat but horses if they eat the wrong thing they just die <laughs> like for being the biggest animal in this comparison is probably the least sturdy horses cannot handle a lot of disruption to their regular daily life so I'm going to go ahead and say it's corn. Corn might be a little high carb for a horse. You know, a lot of, lot of starch there. But at least it's something that the horse isn't going to be like, well, I think I'll just go out in the field and lay down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something I can think of that all three animals can and would love to eat. I've had chickens before and they get on that corn 
like nothing. Also, a study came out that mice would rather eat peanuts, corn, or even soap over cheese. Like, cheese is not their favorite. I don't know why that's become kind of the stereotype for mice. My guess is going to be she's tossing corn to everybody because it's the only triangle-shaped yellow thing that I can think of that would be suitable for all three different tummy types in this particular scenario. I'm saying this because there are actually like a lot of really long, crazy debates on this subject online. I don't know who looks at the entire movie of Cinderella and goes, you know what needs to be discussed? What are these triangles she's throwing at everybody? <laughs> I don't know. People will fight over anything. It's ridiculous. People, y'all need to calm down. <laughs> it's just crazy. Calm down. Need some fruit. Isn't that how it goes in uh, signs? You need to calm down and eat some fruit or something. Fruit is delicious. Anyway, she feeds corn to everyone, and we get some shenanigans among the animals, and Gus ends up inside a sister's teacup. This is, of course, egged on by Lucifer because he's Lucifer. When you're named after the devil, you're not going to be doing anything great, you know? And so he scares little Gus to where he hides under a teacup that is unfortunately on one of the stepsisters' breakfast trays. So when Cinderella brings up the breakfast tray, naturally the girls freak out. Now we have to have a talk with Mommy Dearest. Lady Tremaine doesn't allow Cinderella a single chance to defend herself while loading huge amounts of chateau maintenance on her own one and only servant who is supposed to be a beloved member of the family. Ugh. Her voice is extra heavy and spooky because this is Eleanor Audley, the voice of Maleficent, and uh, Lady not just Maleficent, she's also kind of the haughty mother-in-law from Green Acres. If you've ever seen Green Acres, she's also the voice of Madame Leota from The Haunted Mansion at Disney as well. So she's just, ah, oh, this woman's voice is amazing. I love it. It's so distinct and so, it's just a powerful voice. It's basically like the female equivalent of the Samuel L. Jackson voice, just this, this voice that you're going to stop and listen to when you hear it. You know, it it's really stands out. Regal. Regal is the word I was looking for, which suits um, <laughs> suits James Earl Jones because he played a lion. But, yes, she has a very regal voice that can either be very commanding and frightening or very gentle and sweet. But most in Disney context, you're mostly going to see it in a more frightening way based on the character she plays. Again, Lady Tremaine, Maleficent, and Madame Leota are your main Disney contenders for Eleanor Audley's voice. So tends to be a little more on the ominous side when she, at least when she does work for Disney. Her character in Green Acres is kind of irritable and bossy, but I wouldn't call her scary. She's just kind of I don't know, is is there a female word for curmudgeonly? She's kind of curmudgeonly. Like, she she absolutely is the matriarch of the family and is so without compassion and with no... She's basically a less lovable version of Violet from Downton Abbey. She's, she's pretty uh, in command there. But she's not scary like Maleficent or Lady Tremaine. Next, Disney kind of cuts to the king of the realm, who is super grumpy because the prince hasn't gotten married yet. He plans a massive ball full of lovely ladies to get the prince's attention, and he wants it done that very night. Okay, that's, that's a lot. Like, it's hard to plan a party for yourself, a me party, 
and get it all done in one day. But to invite every single unmarried female in the entire kingdom and set up the party and have the food. Oh, that's a lot to have done in one day. This king's got some expectations, I tell you what. Anyway, then we zoom back to the chateau to see a very unsuccessful music lesson where we see Cinderella scrubbing the floor and singing beautifully. Then Lucifer interrupts one of the most beautiful scenes in animation by stomping a bunch of dirt all over the freshly scrubbed clean floor. And I'm not even kidding. This this animation scene where we see various bubbles with Cinderella's reflection singing in harmony with herself, it's... Disney was just showing off, let's be real. It's a beautiful, beautiful animation scene. And I'm not even like a great judge of that kind of thing. I don't know why. I'm just not that aesthetic, I guess. But I'm, yeah, being a rather unartistic person myself and seeing this gorgeous scene, even I can tell Disney was flexing. You know, I mean, it's gorgeous. And the music to me hits harder than the actual visuals of it, but it's it's absolutely beautiful where she's singing and uh, Lucifer then, of course, has to come and screw it right up. And you just know, since one of her chores that Lady Tremaine gave her that morning was to give Lucifer a bath, you just know he dive, dove into that dirt pan after his bath. So now she not only has to do that whole floor, but she probably has to rewash the cat, and that has got to be terrible. I've never washed a cat I've let my cats wash themselves because I'm afraid <laughs> well that's not true I've washed brand new baby kittens who haven't had their eyes open yet I washed them because they had some fleas when we found them but I've never washed like an adult cat that could actually fight back uh -uh. I like my skin right where it is thank you right where it's at so my guess, I mean, it doesn't explicitly state that Lucifer already had his bath, but you just know that stinker that he, he for sure did that. He waited till after his bath, got himself all dirty and ruined her clean floor. So now she has to probably go back like three hours worth of work at least. And oh, I feel for her. This is terrible. I'm normally like, as far as the cat and dog debate goes, I actually like both usually. I don't know if I've just had unusually good cats. But if I had a cat or a dog that acted like Lucifer, I'd be like, well, that's what shelters are for. <laughs> you know what I mean, I don't want to make light of it, but he's, the word untrainable comes to mind. He's just awful. And I do think that cats are a little more willful than dogs. Dogs at least have some desire to see you happy, whereas cats are pretty easy to live with as long as you do everything they want. <laughs> so Lucifer especially, though, is pretty adversarial, and you just know that he's out there to wreck her day, especially after the scene we saw him pull with Bruno earlier. He just did no good boy. Um, anyway, but I do. I like both cats and dogs, so I kind of hate when I have friends that are like, oh, no, dogs are better. Oh, no, cats are better. I actually think it kind of depends on the type of cat or dog and the living space you're in, whether they can be happy within that living space, but that's just me. Anyway... Cinderella is about to educate our friend Lucifer on the fact that actions have consequences with her broom when a man arrives at the door and interrupts her from her very valuable teaching opportunity. He hands Cinderella an urgent message, which she takes to her stepmother. Turns out they're invited to the king's ball, and they're getting super excited about it when Cinderella voices that she's allowed to go too. In fact, by royal decree, every eligible maiden is to attend. Her sisters, of course, roundly mock her for thinking that she can go too, but 
there's it's in the letter right so lady tremaine knows this is a royal order so she cannot forbid that cinderella go but instead she puts tons and tons and tons of roadblocks in the way and we all know somebody like this who's not gonna have the guts to come at you front and center instead they just try to make every single thing as hard for you as they possibly can until eventually you are beaten down and submit to their will do not submit to their will be like cinderella and try and do your best and get out of it anyway but yeah so she and her daughters know they won't catch any gentleman's eye with cinderella at the ball so it's time for some sabotage she tells cinderella she can go to the ball if and only if she finishes all of her chores and finds something to wear this she already thinks is an impossible task but even if it weren't her daughters are gleefully willing to help make things a little harder for their stepsister They pile on chores so that she won't have any chance to find something to wear. In Perot's version, the sisters are digging through all of their things, and they even want Cinderella to weigh in on what might be suitable. She's doing their hair and dressing them, even as they taunt her. It's much the same in the Grimm's version, except she's actually crying the entire time because she wishes she could go, and everybody's a jerk to her. So, of course, you know, the sisters are mocking and berating her in that version as well. And in both story versions, they take off and leave Cinderella behind. Disney's version, she somehow finishes everything, plans to update a dress of her mother's that she has hidden away, and she's just about to get to work on it when, unsurprisingly, her stepfamily call her to do some more chores. So while she's away, the birds and mice take some time to get the work done on their own. Jacques and Gus take off to find some accessories. Meanwhile, the sisters are loading laundry on top of Cinderella. And when I say loading, I mean like above her head. I don't know how she sees her way through all those stairs. I would die. I can barely go downstairs when I can see what I'm doing. So I don't know how Cinderella does it with a four foot tall pile of laundry in her arms. It has always amazed me, even when I was little. It's such a huge amount of laundry. It's humongous. And while they're doing that, the sisters are also complaining about some beads and a sash, and they throw them away, saying they're trash, and they don't even want to look at them anymore. The mice want to look at them, though, so they tangle with the cat in order to steal these items back for Cinderella. In Grimm's version, the stepmother scatters a bowl of lentils into the fireplace ashes and tells Cinderella that if she can pick them out in two hours, she can go to the ball. She calls for the birds, and they go gather the lentils before the time was up. So when she presents this bowl of lentils to the stepmother, she then throws two bowls into the ashes and says that she must fish them both out within one hour. The birds help again, but the stepmother still refuses as she has nothing to wear and can't dance. That's frustrating because I'm like, well, why didn't you just say that in the first place if you had no intention of letting her go instead of making her spend an hour and a half picking through dirt? Oh, well. Disney Cinderella thinks that she's not going anywhere. She's done chores until the very minute that her family is leaving for the ball, and so she hasn't had time to work on that dress. So she's given up hope until she sees that the mice have made the dress for her. Cinderella catches up and is so excited that it never occurs to her that her family will turn on her. She has hope where she really shouldn't expect to find it. Lady Tremaine tactfully points out the items of her outfit that have come from the stepsisters basically trash bin they threw their trash on the floor expecting cinderella to clean it up so i don't know how they didn't think she'd find that stuff but anyway the uh, stepsisters are on her and they strip down her dress like piranhas 
than leave her there in the last remains of her mother's memory crushed on the doorstep as they happily head off to the ball. Jerks. That's it for Cinderella Part 2. I can't wait to go over Part 3 with you tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful day.